The presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak is Down in Front Productions. DIFP is a video production company located in Birmingham, Alabama that strives to provide high-quality video services for your business or event at very competitive prices with a personal approach. They specialize in sporting events, weddings, and business videography, but also provide recording and video editing work for other events such as seminars, commercials, and concerts. Give Dustin and the crew a call at 205-588-0868 or visit them at difpbham.com. That's D-I-F-P-B-H-A-M.com to see how they can help you. Down in Front Productions, the presenting sponsor of Behind the Beat. Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tyler Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. I'm Tyler Brown. My co-host, Avery Davis, will be back with me next week. This is episode number 37 of the series, and in a few moments, I will dial up former football and soccer student-athlete Ashley Cockrell, Ashley Martin, in her playing days in the early 2000s at JSU. We'll revisit her historic kick, which just had its 19-year anniversary, and catch up with the Gamecock to see what she's up to now. Her interview in just a few moments, but first, a few quick items. If you missed last week's episode, our guest was Jacksonville State Director of Development Earl Warren, who made his name on the basketball court for JSU in the mid-80s. Warren, who enjoyed a stellar career, led the Gamecocks to the NCAA Division II National Championship as a senior. We revisit the dream season, look at some key matchups during the title run, and discuss his current position at Jack State. If you want to go give it a listen, all previous episodes of the podcast can be streamed at jsugamecocksports.com slash podcasts on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Not a ton of athletic news to get to this week. Football will continue practice. They will open up the season October 3rd at Florida State. That's all that's happening right now, and now it's time for today's featured guest. Ashley Cockrell, Ashley Martin, when she wore the number 89 for Jacksonville State, made history on August 30th, 2001, when she booted a first-quarter extra point against Cumberland University. The kick made her the first female ever to score in an NCAA football game and the first to play in a Division I contest. A two-sport athlete who initially came to Jacksonville to play soccer became a media sensation following her 3-for-3 night at Burgess Snowfield. From Regis and Kelly and Good Morning America to being featured in USA Today, ESPN the Magazine, People Magazine, and numerous other publications, Ashley was everywhere. This year marks 19 seasons since Cockrell etched her name into the college football annals. Here is this week's guest, Ashley Cockrell. Joining me on the podcast this week is Ashley Cockrell, and Ashley, uh, joining us from your home in Lake Wells, Florida. Sir, how are you? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for carving out the time to do this. I know right now is especially busy for you. You are still the Dean of Students at Hillcrest Elementary, and I can assume that with everything going on, uh, the COVID climate and all of that, that it has been a wild ride for you recently. Absolutely. In fact, today was our very first day back on campus in person 
Um, and so it was, it was kind of a crazy day, but honestly, um, seeing all the kids back on campus, it was like the best day the last five months. Awesome to see them all. So I was so happy. I saw on Facebook that they even gave you the fogger that you were able to go around the classroom and, uh, do a little bit of prep for the school day. Yeah, for me, um, they like to put me in charge of different tasks and then they quickly remember, I don't know that they, that then they're like, I don't know that we should have put her in charge of that task because I take everything to the next level. So the fogger has been super, super fun. Um, I think it's awesome. It's like a giant, it's like a super soaker 3000. I don't know if you remember the giant water guns. Oh, yeah. It's like that, except it just fog and so um the kids and i do this whole like you know ghostbuster theme but it's covid buster and then you know i just basically am a, a major distraction to any sort of order that's trying to be had at the school and um and so sometimes i lose my my responsibilities with things like that but but they've been good so far so i've been able to keep the covid blaster job um because i'm so enthusiastic about it so so i'm happy Glad to hear everything's going well. Glad to know that everything is good back home and the job as well. Obviously, the reason that you're featured this week on the podcast is 19 years ago, you became the first female to score a point in a Division I football game. That came August 30th, 2001 versus Cumberland University. First of all, talking about the kids at your school, do they know what a big deal their teacher is? Um... You know, I don't, it, it's funny because I don't know really how that, I've only had to pull that card um, a couple times with my own children and my kids at school, which I feel like are all my kids. Um, but there were some, you know, it it usually only comes up if, um, if, a, if a kid is, you know, maybe, you know, talking some trash and saying, you know, and, and then I'm trying to make the girls feel better, like maybe a a kid didn't pick a girl to be on the kickball team or something like that. And then it's a, it's a teachable moment is what I call it. And so, um, and then there was another time that there was a group of boys that was, they were kind of talking about football and I really, really, really needed to earn, you know, a little bit of credit with them and build some rapport. And so that was my last resort. I had to pull that card. And so I went ahead and said, Hey, I played um, football in college and then instantly it was like everything changed so i really pull that card when i absolutely have to but <laughs> otherwise um obviously i don't talk about it that much but you know um when my when my middle son was younger in in elementary school he got this was before i worked at the school he got in the car one afternoon and his face was just beet red and he was really upset and he was mad. And I said, what's the problem? And he said, well, at PE today, some of my friends were trying to say that you did not play college football. <laughs> they said that I was making that up. And so I said, well, that's fine. You know what? Tomorrow I'll come to your PE class and I'll be in full uniform because I still have my uniform and my helmet and my pads. So I'll wear it tomorrow to your school and I'll come to your PE class. And quickly he calmed down and was like, you know what? That's okay. Uh, I'll just tell him. <laughs> he was like, don't, please don't do that. Please don't do that. So, um, I think my kids think it's cool to a certain degree, but, um, they're, you know, they'll defend it, especially my middle son, um, will certainly defend it. And it's, I have a daughter as well. So that's really fun when her brothers say, you know, girls don't do that. That's always, I like to play that card. 
Um, so it comes in handy for sure. And I'm definitely grateful for the experience um, of everything. And, uh, but it is kind of hard to explain to the kids that I teach and even my own kids and really even adults that the coolest thing about that whole experience was not the, the history that was made. I mean, that's super cool, but um, I can't really describe just the atmosphere and the team that I got to be a part of. That was the real, that was the real cool thing about it. And the real, just, just, it was, it was an amazing experience. So with iPads and iPhones nowadays, instead of having to threaten to show up in full uniform, they can just show the YouTube video to their friends now. They can do that. They can. And um, of course, it makes me cry every time I watch the video. So then that takes the toughness out of then they're like, oh, no, mom's crying. Like football players don't cry. Um, so that kind of, you know, it kind of nullifies the the whole point of trying to make me look you know, cool and tough and all this kind of stuff. Cause then mom's over there sobbing. It's like, no, it was really not, it was really so cool. Um, so it, you know, I'm just really incredibly humbled by the whole situation and the, the opportunity that I got to have. And so, um, you know, there are times that we'll have people over for dinner and I'll put my helmet on and, and go kick just for fun <laughs> out in the yard. You know, um, we do stuff like that. So, so that's fun, but I do, um, I think the greatest thing is what I carry with me or, you know, I learned, I learned so much that, that year playing on that team and being a part of that just um, personally. And, and then, you know, as an athlete. Um, and so that stuff, you, I mean, I can't even talk about it cause I don't, I don't even know how to describe that to people. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it, it's definitely, it's definitely different. And then sometimes I'll forget, it, not that I forget about it. It just seems like um, those were the the main things. And then when someone says, you know, oh, you made history. I'm like, oh, yeah, there was that part. Um, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the big deal. So um, for me, that part was just kind of a an aside to what was so very cool. And that wasn't so foreign to you because when you were in high school you you played football as well you you were a soccer player mainly and that's how you got to Jacksonville State but you were named homecoming queen uh you went up and accepted the crown in your football uniform and so tell me where did your love of sports begin that's a really good question I'm not really I'm not really sure where like exactly when um I you know we laugh a lot with my my family because I have um, two siblings and we're all so very different in our interest. And my parents were so wonderful about supporting us in each of our differences. So it's not like I had parents that urged me to do, you know, they just gave us the freedom and the opportunity to do whatever we were into, which was awesome. For me, um, I mean, I can remember being little and playing pretend football in the yard. And um, I wanted to grow up and be the fridge from the <laughs> Chicago Bears. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. And my parents were like, hey, that's going to be tough for you on many levels. So, um, you know, we really need to think about what we want to be when we grow up. And it's just simply not going to be the fridge from Chicago Bears. So, um, but I mean, they were just super supportive in whatever we wanted to do. And I remember my mom did, I signed up for dance because my sister did dance and tap. And I remember the, you know, instructor telling my mom that she felt like, 
and I'm using air quotes, you just can't see me. She <laughs> felt like I might be more comfortable in an outdoor environment, <laughs> AKA dance was not going to be for me. And um, please take me out of there before she lost her mind. So my, my parents ended up signing me up for soccer when I was four or five. And back then um, they didn't have women like girls soccer at the time. So I played on boys teams until I was probably 12. So that's a long time. I mean, you know, if you think about it for a kid, I mean, now it seems so crazy. I can't imagine, um, uh, you know, not having girls sports, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, or girls, girls teams, but, um, but I loved it. And, uh, to be honest, I was a little bit mad when I was 12 and they came out with the, with the girls teams and I was a little bit annoyed, you know, <laughs> I was like, this is what we're doing. Um, so that's where I, and I just loved it. I just loved playing and I loved competing and I am still that way. I am super competitive and I really like new challenges and pushing myself to the very limit, uh, physically. And I don't know, I've tried to figure it out because the older I get, the more I wish that I would be into things like that didn't hurt so much the next day. Um, but I just, I'm not, I'm not wired that way. So it's just kind of been who I was since I was very, very small. I liked having a ball at my feet for sure. You were a multi-sport athlete at East Coweta High School in Georgia, and you came to Jacksonville State to play soccer. And once you got here, did you expect that you might play football or were you just focused on soccer at the time? Oh, I never expected to play football. I was completely focused on soccer and, um, and was very surprised when, uh, you know, the coaches approached, um, I mean, after I had a discussion with them, I understood, you know, logistically it made sense. And, um, and then of course I really appreciated to even be considered for that. Um, so, um, you know, it was, it was super, super cool, but no, I had no, you know, intention of, of pursuing that at all. How did the talks begin about you possibly joining the team? Um, that's, that's really funny. And I hope I don't, you know, get anybody in trouble at this point, but <laughs> we, I was working out, um, in the, in the weight room because I was always like either at the practice field or the weight room, you know, I just, I was just always doing something. So I happened to be in the weight room in the football area because our, conditioning coach was working in that office that day. So I was down there. Um, at the time, Mike Bobo was the quarterback coach at uh, Jacksonville State. And so he came bursting through the doors. And I remember being like, and so I grew up in Georgia. So I knew Mike Bobo, that name from being a Georgia Bulldog fan. And he was the quarterback when I was, you know, younger and this is Mike Bobo. So anyway, he comes bursting through the doors and I'm like, Mike Bobo, be cool, you know, like <laughs> be cool right now. And he comes over and he says, so let me, this is, he said, so let me get this straight. You had the opportunity in high school to beat Valdosta high school, which is like a state powerhouse in Georgia. And you lost 13 to 14. Sounds like it was an issue with the kicker. Hmm. And I looked at him and I was like, really dude like that is like salt on my wounds i was like it was an issue with the kicker the kicker makes an extra point which i was the kicker and he said yeah i know 
we'd like to talk to you about kicking extra points for the team. And I was like, well, it doesn't sound like my resume really supports that, but <laughs> okay. Um, so it was just a really funny, I really loved his personality. Cause I, I and I think he knew, um, you know, that I would, I mean, it just clicked. I liked a coach who was, who was blunt and kind of gave me, you know, a little, a little crap along the way. And, um, and mo- that just motivated me. So um, it was all, it was all good. And, um, you know, then I went to talk to um, coach Crow and he explained to me, you know, kind of what was going on that they had a, a kicker that, um, and he was amazing. Um, he had come from Tennessee and he was incredible at long distance, but their fear was that if anything happened to him, you know, they didn't have anybody as his backup at the time. So basically I would be a backup situation and would help them, you know, with the shorter kicks so that he wasn't handling all of that. Um, because at the, at that point he was doing everything and it would just, you know, sometimes just wear him out. Mm -hmm. I mean, so anyway, um, they thought if they could get somebody to just do the extra points that, then that would kind of take the pressure off of him and, you know, less likely he'd get hit and, and injured and then they're out a kicker altogether. So anyway, that's where I said, well, it was very important to me um, when I was in high school. The only reason that that situation worked is because the guys were so supportive. Um, and it, it's very tricky. And, you know, I had a lot of talks with my parents and in high school and I never wanted it to appear as if I was trying to make a statement and come out and say, I can do this. I deserve to be here because I'm a girl. And I never wanted it to appear that way. Um, if I have value to bring to a team, that's great. But the people that created that team atmosphere need to be the ones that okay that. I think that, that there's you know value in the pecking order system of a team, whether it's an all girls team or a boys team, whatever. So I told Coach Crow that, and I said, it's very important to me that this is this is okay with the guys. You know, it's not, I mean, this is their team. And um, I am I could be a total disruption, and that would, you know, be counterproductive, and I don't want that. So anyway, he, I said, I, want, I, would, I would feel more comfortable if you talk to the captains, the older guys on the team, and just make sure it's cool before we do this. So anyway, he did, and they were really awesome with it, which if you think about it, like high insight, man, what a maturity level for a college football team of men to be like, yeah, that's fine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I look back on it now, I'm like, wow, I have two sons and I feel like we would really have to sit down and be like, dude, <laughs> you know, this is what, you know what I mean? Like I just look at it from a different perspective now and it really, it's it's super humbling that they were, they were so cool about it. So that's kind of how everything happened. And then, uh, and then that, then I came out, I, um, I uh, came to school and checked in with the freshmen. So I got started early uh, with conditioning and stuff. So it was interesting. (laughs) We're recording this on Monday, August 31st. 19 years ago is when you made the kick. August 30th, 2001 against Cumberland University. What did you think? What was going through your mind when your name was called to kick the extra point? point. Here she goes. Ashley Martin. She has to make history. And she gets a word from Reggie Stancil as she goes out onto the field. And boy, this crowd, 
here at Paul Snow Stadium has come alive. And this football team has really accepted this young lady. One, because she can kick so well, and secondly, because she has so much character. What a charismatic young lady she is. So well, it was 19 years ago, so I'm trying to, to think. If I'm being honest, I was pretty overwhelmed with um, everything that happened that night. And I don't really, I'm still learning. In fact, last time I visited Jack State, they were telling me how there were media trucks lining the stadium. Mm -hmm. And of course, I didn't know any of that had gone, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything outside of um, the locker room. And that, but when I came out, that sideline was packed. And, um, and I'll be honest, like it was a little, it was a little overwhelming. And, um, and not to sound ungrateful because it was amazing, but as an athlete at the time, like high inside, I'm like, wow, that was really cool. Um, but that night as an athlete, to me, I was like, I really, I have a job to do. Like, I cannot be distracted by like, you know, you see those memes online now that are like, you have one job. <laughs> I mean, that's how I felt like the guys, you know what I mean? Like they literally gave me one job to do. And, um, so I was really focused on, you know, Ashley, please don't get, you know, lose your focus and let these guys, let this whole team down that has believed in you and said, yeah, we need, you know, we want you to do this job. Um, don't let him down. So I think I was a little overwhelmed in that sense and probably put, um, a lot of pressure on myself, um, which is my kind of the thing I do, but so that I felt probably pressure not so much from the situation or the fact that it was history because like I said I'm not even sure that I knew or thought about that at the time but more so just not letting all of that get inside my head so it was a relief when I was in high school my holder told me uh he said listen if you get the first two you're good after that he was like the first one you're super nervous the second one you got to make sure the first one wasn't lucky and then after that you're good to go so I thought about that, you know, that night as well. Like, listen, just let's get this under your belt, get it over with. And then, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're good from there. So, and really the guys helped me a lot. We had established in practice, you know, depending on my holder, um, it was kind of ground, you know, um, kind of grounded me in before the snap, they'd usually look at me and say something funny or, you know what I mean? Like as we're walking out to the field, they would, you know, kind of get me refocused on, Hey, you got this. It's mm -hmm. no big deal. You know, um, I think on that video that they posted the other night, one of the announcers said she's getting some words of wisdom from Reggie Stancil, the quarterback. And, uh, man, I wish I could remember what those were because <laughs> I'm sure it's something at practice that we had laughed about, or, you know, it probably wasn't like serious game talk that probably everybody thought it was, it was probably, you know, some funny inside joke or something to make me laugh and be like, girl, you got this. It's fine. It's no big deal. Um, so that was all going on that night. And, and it was awesome. Much media attention as this situation has garnered nationally. They obviously know about it. Good blocking up front guys. Good snap. Good hold. Here's the snap, and she has done it. Ashley Martin becomes the first female in NCAA history 
to score a point in a football game. Coach McGee, her position coach, one of the first ones to meet her. You pulled off the trifecta that night, 72-10 to 10 win over Cumberland University. The history-making kick came in the first quarter, and you finished the night 3-for-3 three three on extra point attempts, and you had mentioned the media buzz that you really didn't know about going into that game and how busy it was on the sidelines, but it really blew up after that. Did you ever expect that after you went in and made that extra point that you would be going on Regis and Kelly, that you'd be going on David Letterman and shows like that and how big of a story that was? No way that I expected. No way. Like I said, I did, you know, I kicked in high school and, um, and it, you know, it was a cool deal and uh, it got attention in, in my hometown and things like that. In my hometown, everybody was so supportive. And so I was nervous about that aspect of it, but Jacksonville, had become, you know, my other, I'm using air quotes again, hometown and people there are family. And so there was this support net as well. So it was overwhelming, but also I had like a soft place to land, if that makes sense. Like you, I didn't feel that, um, you know, if I, if I went somewhere or, you know, hung out with, with friends on campus or for my professors or anything like that, it wasn't, I didn't feel that sense of being overwhelmed as much there, but I in no way expected um, any of that, which was, you know, it, I'm thankful for that to, to not have, have had any inkling that it would have been a big deal um, because I think I, it just was a whirlwind from that point. And I just had to kind of take it day by day and, and go with it. You know, you didn't have a lot of time to think that after that night that, I kicked, I had to be back at the field house, I think at 5 a.m. for an interview with Good Morning America. And then right after that interview, I got in a um, Alabama State Patrol car and they rushed me to the state line. I met up with a Georgia State Patrol officer who rushed me to the airport, my mom and I, so we could fly to New York for those interviews. Um, so it was just kind of boom, boom, boom. And you didn't really have time to catch your breath to think about it, which was great. Because I think if I would have had time to think, this is a lot. You know, I'm um, I'm not maybe as extroverted and outgoing as people think I am. So I think it would have really freaked me out. Uh, but luckily, I just you just had to go and you just had to do it. And um, and it was an amazing adventure, an amazing opportunity that I'm super super thankful for. So it was really cool. Now, one of the things that Greg Seitz has talked to me about, you know, because he he was there for a lot of those. He was the media relations director for the football team at that time. Thank goodness for Greg Seitz being there. and being (laughs) That was my saving grace. One of those things that he has talked about is, you know, you made this kick on August 30th, 2001. And so that puts you in New York at the beginning of September 2001. Tell me about being in New York, getting back home, and then obviously... September 11th happens. Um, yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know, but I was um, a volunteer at the fire department in Jacksonville when I was in college and really loved, um, really loved that, you know, doing that volunteer work and thought I might pursue a career as a firefighter paramedic after. So, when we were in New York, my mom and I, I wanted to see like a historical, like a firehouse. 
because that's, you know, fire department in New York is fire department New York. Like you right. go and so I wanted to see the the um the old firehouse and everything. So we went and it was really, really cool. My mom and I went by ourselves and the firemen there that were at that, you know, firehouse, they let us take a picture um with the trucks and with them and they, you know, gave me a helmet and we exchanged uh, I think, you know, station shirts and um, patches and whatnot, you know, the, all that kind of stuff. And so um, then we were leaving to go shopping. And one of them said, you don't have to get a cab. We'll drive you to wherever you guys are going. So we got in one of the fire department vehicles and they drove us to where we were going shopping. And uh, on the way to that, he, um, the guy pointed out and he said, have you guys visited the World Trade Center yet? And mom and I said, no, we, you know, we're trying to sightsee and we haven't made it there yet. And he goes like, you have to go um, before you leave. Well, we didn't make it by there. But what was crazy is that moment then, of course, stuck in my mind. Um, and we actually I exchanged numbers with um, that station, the whoever was in command there um, so that I could send them stuff from Jacksonville Fire Department. Cause I didn't have a lot of stuff with me, obviously. So I was like, I'll get you guys patches and things and send them. And so, um, of course, then September 11th happened and I called and I remember calling my mom and saying, I feel it just was, it was super heavy. It was a lot. And I said, I, I don't know. Do you call? And she said, well, you can call, but you have to be expect, you know, be ready for the news that you'll get. So, um, anyway, several, several of the guys that I met that day did not make it, um, on the day of September 11th. So I still have those pictures. And, um, anyway, it's just, um, I don't know. It's, it's very, I don't even have the words for, for what that's like, you know, um, it's kind of a crazy, crazy little add on to a crazy time. What day were you in New York? We left, um, I want to say, so our game was on a Saturday, so that means I flew out. No, our game was on a Thursday, so I flew out Saturday, um, I mean Friday. And so I must have left, you know, Sunday, so I could have been back to school, I would imagine. I don't remember the dates exactly. Mm -hmm. During your trip to New York, was there a certain thing that stands out as far as the the media attention you got going on Regis and Kelly going on David Letterman and some of the other opportunities that you had that really stands out as your favorite. Well, I didn't go on David Letterman. They, I don't think they couldn't figure that out or they couldn't work out the timing. Maybe mm -hmm. I don't remember what happened, but I do remember um, when I went on Regis and Kelly, they put us in, they call the green room. Mm -hmm. and my mom and I are in there and I'm really nervous. And a couple of things, that was really fun that whole morning. A couple of things. Number one, my mom said, you know, she was like, I want you to wear a dress and you're going to look like, you know, girly and all this, you know, cause you're going on national TV on Regis and Kelly for playing football. Like you should look like a girl, like let everybody know there's two sides of you, which I'm not even sure that I'm that girly. So whatever. Okay. But I, you try to make your mom happy. So I'm like, okay whatever you want me to do, mom. So I wear this dress and then they didn't tell us until we got there and I'm in a dress that they were going to have me kicked. So, uh, it was a big joke between my, I was like, see, this is what happens when you wear a dress and then you have to do something functional and important. And now look, 
Now I'm in a dress and I have to kick on the street. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is such a disaster. So it was really, so that little moment with my mom and I was super, super funny. Um, and then we're in the green room and there was a guy, um, I don't know if you know Topher Grace, he's on that 70s show. Definitely. Okay, so he was in the green room sitting behind us. And then also Barbara Walters walks by with her entourage. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, this is so, <laughs> I looked at my mom and I'm like, so crazy and she was like i know i know just be cool and so tover grace comes in and he sits back on the couch he like slumps down he's just super comfortable and he's like hey but he doesn't really say anything well then they they the tv shows and coming up next you know and it shows him where he had been previously on the show mm -hmm. and he was like ah and so my mom and I turned around. We we're like, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, it's just that I wore this exact same outfit last time I was on the show. <laughs> he was like, so now what I'm supposed to do? And so I'm like, I, I don't know. What can you do? Do you want to borrow mom? I was like, my mom made me wear a dress today. So I don't know which is worse. And he was like, true. So he goes and has to borrow one of uh, Regis's shirts so that he's not wearing the same thing that he had just been seeing on the advertisement for the like portion coming up. It was really funny. So just getting to see like little behind the scenes, um, things like that was pretty, that was pretty cool. Topher Grace wearing the same shirt he wore the last time he was on the show. Seems like a very Eric Foreman thing to do. <laughs> I know. And his reaction to it was great. Cause he was like, look <laughs> at me. I have on the same shirt. And my mom and I were like, I, well, we, don't know how to help you because we're still freaking out that we're getting, you know. So. If only you'd have had a Jacksonville State t-shirt. I know, I know. Just something <laughs> to give him. It would have been, it would have been great. So I ended up, I did have my warm-up. And so I ended up having to change into my warm-up because for some reason I had it like in a bag. So I wore my Jack State football uh warm-up on Regis and Kelly because I didn't know that I was going to be kicking. So <laughs> in two different shoes. <laughs> which was also fun. Last year, during 2019, it was the 150th anniversary of NCAA college football. You were among the moments that was listed in the 150 celebration. You came back to Jacksonville State. You came on the ESPN3 broadcast and was interviewed at halftime during that time. And you were able to bring back your family, your, your kids, your husband. And I know you mentioned this on the air that day, it seemed like that was the time where your kids kind of realized, oh, mom's a big deal because they walk in and you you go to the president's suite. There's the uh, the red carpet and they've got the uh, velvet ropes. And then you've also got a photo in the mural on the club level. And so tell me what it was like to be able to bring your family back to see all this stuff for maybe the first time and to be able to see what kind of legacy you left at JSU. Well, um, it's difficult to describe in words and difficult to describe in words without crying. So I'm going to try my best to do that. Um, it was really incredibly special to be able to share that. Um, and, it, and it's also a really weird and such a great way feeling to see your kids that I think are my greatest legacy and the greatest legacy you could leave um, to be witnessing, I guess, what was such an amazingly important part of my life, you know, in regards to Jacksonville State and everything that it gave to me in my life. 
um, anyway, to, it felt like merging two worlds. Uh, so it was really, um, just humbling. And I just wish there were, there were words adequate enough to, to describe the feeling, to be able to introduce my children to the people that in my life are to this day, so incredibly important, um, to the people, you know, from Jacksonville state that were so incredibly important to be able to introduce them now to the most important people in my life is just an incredibly thing. You almost feel like you're watching it happen. You know what I mean? And you're like, this is incredible what I'm experiencing right now and, and getting to share with my children. Um, not only that, I remember after we left, we got in the car and my whole family, my parents were there, my husband, my children, there was this silence for a second, almost like a wow moment. And I remember telling my parents that place is so just unbelievable. And I said, the way that they make you feel like you're the most important person. Um, I remember feeling that way when I was on my recruiting visit to Jacksonville State. I remember feeling that way almost every day on that campus, not just because I played football or um, anything like that, but just being a student there and then coming back as an alumni. And then, you know, just, just the everyday treatment of that community and that university make you feel like you're the most important person in the world. And then um, to be able to show, you know, my kids little tidbits of things that I did while I was at Jacksonville State, was just icing on the cake. So it was super awesome. Um, but my kids definitely, I think, left with, you know, my daughter then said she was, she's going to go to Jacksonville State now. And so um, there was, you know, it kind of put um, something tangible to the stories that they've heard. Now they have the faces to the names and they have, they've seen the places and they've, you know, kind of experienced everything. And it, it was just cool. It's almost like I just left because we went, the first stop we made, you know, we went to see the soccer field when I was there was um, university field. So mm -hmm. it was the softball field shared it. So I went to show them that, well, the softball team was practicing and um, coach McGinnis, you know, was there and her assistant, Julie, I actually went to school with, she played on the softball team when I was there. And so it's like people that I've known and they're like, Oh, Ashley, come here. Oh, we want to, my, my daughter plays softball. So they showed her the dugout and they let her come out on the field. And I mean, it's just the coolest place and the coolest university that I've, I mean, I really wish um, everybody got to have that experience. And um, of course, if everybody did have that experience, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same, you know, but um, it's like a, a big time university with a small town feel and everybody is like family. And it's just, you know, it's hard to describe to people. So getting to share that with my children and my families was amazing. It was like one of the best days. After all of that, you're still having to teach your son that a kicker can be as tough as a quarterback. Correct. Yes. So you saw my post and I wish you could have seen my facial expression. He told me his team, he's concerned that his school team. He said, I'm not sure if we have a kicker this year because our kicker, you know, went to high school. He's in middle school. And I said, well, you play soccer. Why don't you do, you know, if you 
because he was just telling me, you know, I'm going to try to be the backup quarterback. You know, he's only in seventh grade. So I said, well, yeah, well, you could also be the kicker. And he made this face and was like, yeah, I just feel like the kickers are kind of like wimpy. (laughs) And he caught, it was already out of his mouth before he could catch it and get it back in. And I was like, really? And he was like, well, not you. Not, I mean, not you, of course, because you're a girl. And I was like, you're making it worse. And he was like, well, no, because you're a mom. And I was like, it's still getting worse. Still worse. Had already put like, his foot like, in his I mouth. Just, oh, my goodness. He's just like digging, digging, digging out of the hole that he couldn't get out of. So finally, <laughs> we went outside. And I was like, well, let's go throw the football. Let's see how tough you are. So, <laughs> Well, just to let everyone know kind of what you're up to now, you are the dean of students at Hillcrest Elementary in Florida. And you're also still very active. You're staying fit. You're a CrossFitter. You also compete in a lot of different sports. Uh, You definitely don't look like Refrigerator Perry, and I think that's probably better for your health looking back if you could tell yourself that when you were a kid. What activities are you involved in now? So I I run every morning. Um, I like to run. It's kind of my my little time. Um, I do CrossFit. I would like to call myself a CrossFitter, um, but I, I feel like if my CrossFit coach could hear me say that, he would be like, but are you really? Okay, because I can't do all this stuff because, you know, there's like some 20-year-olds in there that are just unbelievable. Um, so I do what I can. And um, I also am involved in, um, they're called the tactical games. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's uh, basically where you, it's kind of CrossFit obstacle type, um, you know, military obstacle type stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you combine shooting. So um, it's like competition shooting with guns and stuff. It's really, it sounds really random, um, <laughs> but I, a friend of mine, you know, suggested that I get involved and um, I tried one and absolutely loved it. So now um, it's just, Come my little hobby and it keeps me motivated to to you know stay in shape and um it's really great i don't know super fun my kids are involved in soccer and football and softball so i have to stay in shape basically to keep up with them and go to all of their games and you know hang out with them so that's my main motivation well ashley thank you so much for coming on with us today i really appreciate you taking the time to do it really hope to see you at a football game again very soon Absolutely. I can't wait to get back. That'll do it for this week's edition of Behind the Beak. I hope that you and yours are healthy, and I will talk to you again next week. I'll be back Tuesday with a brand new episode and another guest. So for Avery Davis, I am Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening, and go Gamecocks. This has been Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Look for new episodes each week or browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting JSUGamecockSports.com. For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, JSUGamecockSports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSUGamecocks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 